Well, I got a question for you guys. Um, has anybody in here ever let somebody or something steal your joy? Anybody in here? Yeah, a lot of us. Um, now, I do want to point out this. I'm talking about joy, not happiness. And I know oftentimes in, in our culture, we kind of confuse the two. So I'm going to break that down real quick for you. Happiness is like, you bring me a cheeseburger, I'm happy. Like, I'm happy. I got a smile on my face. It's, it's an outward expression of emotion. Now, joy is something different. And oftentimes, you know, we, we want joy, but we seek it through things that make us happy. Um, happy things kind of appeal to our flesh. They appeal to our senses. Um, oftentimes, seeking happiness gets us into a lot of trouble. But what I want to talk about is joy. And joy is something that's deep inside. It's, it's internal. Joy is something that whether you give me a, a cheeseburger or whether you walk up and smack my cheeseburger out of my hand, I can still have joy. I may not be very happy, and we may have words or exchange fists, but I can still have joy in that moment. And so tonight, I want to talk to you guys just a little bit about joy. Um, now, I can't speak for you, but, but I have allowed people to steal my joy. I've allowed circumstances to steal my joy, to rob, to rob me of it. And, and it's because, I've, again, I've confused it with happiness. And there's been times in my life, I don't know about you, but um, paying my bills isn't always the easiest. And in those moments uh, where I'm, I'm looking at... Uh, man, we, we've got some things due, and my wife says, hey, guess what? It's really expensive to feed six kids, and, and we've gotten into conflict over that. And I'm like, did you really need to spend $600 at Walmart this week? Um, I see some faces out there. That's a realistic number in our household, so don't have six kids. Um, <laughs> but there's those moments where, where I'm faced with the reality uh, of things going on, and, and I lose sight of God, and I lose sight that, you know, he's my provider, and, and I allow that to impact me in such a way that um, it's not that I'm unhappy, it's that I'm, I'm down inside. Something internal has been misplaced, that, that it's not that I'm upset, it's not that I'm stressed out, it's that I've lost sight of the life that I should be leading, that I've lost sight of the life I should be living. And so sometimes that takes place with, with our finances, Sometimes it takes place because of our relationships. You know, we spend a lot of time with, with people, and, and some of those people we spend more time with than others. And the thing that I found is the people that I love the most, that, that are the closest to me, I allow them to impact me the most. And, and quite honestly, I impact them the most, not always in great ways. And sometimes when we put so much weight and stock in those relationships, that we can allow those to, to steal our joy, to, to rob us of the things that God has for us. And, and it's okay to be sad. It's okay to be down. It's okay to have a bad day, but it's not okay for you to allow those things to take the joy that God wants you to experience day in and day out away from you. And so we can experience it with stress at work, with your children. Some of you let drivers on the highway steal your joy day in and day out, and by the time you get home from work, you're so angry and, and ticked off that you can't even enjoy your family because of things that went on. And, and that's what I'm talking about, where we've allowed this stuff not to just impact our external expression, but we've allowed it to impact our internal expression of, of what should be taking place in our lives. And so tonight's message is entitled Transformed Living. Say, say Transformed Living. And so tonight, I, I do want to talk about joy, but I want to talk about joy not in a way that changes you, because we can change things, right? Like, I can take a ball of Play-Doh, and I can change it into a lot of shapes, and I can mold it, um, and, and it looks different, but it's still Play-Doh, right? 
And what I want to talk is about is about transformed living, a transformation that takes place. Now, when we experience God's joy, when we experience the joy that we should, it's not that it changes us on the outside. It's not that we look different. It's that we are different, that something's taken place in here, that, that it's realigned our, our thought process, that it's realigned our soul and our spirit, and we begin to encounter and experience things in a different way. It's, it's that type of transformation, again, that, that if you've taken something from me, I may be unhappy, but I can still be full of joy. That if, if life is stressful, if I'm having conflict with my wife or my kids, I can be upset about that, but it doesn't impact the joy that I feel inside. I want to talk about that type of transformation, that type of joy that God has for us. And so Proverbs 17, 22, I love this. I love this verse, but it says this, a cheerful heart is good medicine. Say good medicine. medicine. A cheerful heart is good medicine. A broken spirit saps a person's strength. Have you guys ever experienced that? I don't know about you, but I love that God's word is so true and it's so obvious that when you read it, it's just like a light bulb. Of course, that, that when we allow things to impact us internally like that, it does begin to break us. It does begin to wear us down. But the thing I really want to focus on is up there, good medicine. Um, my, my dad, uh, he's older than me, obviously, and as he's gotten up in, his, in age, um, um, he, he's endeavored to, to live his life a little differently. And so one of the things that he does every day, and he harps on me that I should do every day too, um, which is a lot of things, but one in particular um, is he takes emergency packets. Anybody in here a fan of those? And so he takes them every day, especially during certain seasons. And it's not because he's sick. Uh, it has nothing to do with that. He just knows that as he takes those in preparation, that it, that it keeps things from taking place in his body, that, that it, it's a benefit, right? That, that it's a good medicine for him day in and day out. Well, joy is the same way, that, that when we walk in joy, when we live in joy, when we allow our perspective to be one that's optimistic and positive and in line with, with God's word and God's plan and God's purpose, you may not be sick in that moment, and you may not even experience it right there, but what you're doing is, is you're keeping these impact of the enemy at arm's length, that, that the things, the storms that may be on the way... They don't stand a chance when you're walking in joy day in and day out. They still may knock you around, blow you about, but, but you're in a better place because you've taken your good medicine, that, that you've treated the things that are going on. And again, life's going to happen. We can't, we can't avoid that. Every single one of us in here are going to go through trials in different times in our lives that, that certain seasons are going to be difficult, but, but we can prepare ourselves for them ahead of time by, by walking in the joy that God has given us. And so that same verse, the Passion Translation puts it this way. A joyful, cheerful heart brings healing to the body. So again, that joy, that cheer, that, that, that it does heal us. You know, studies actually show that when you live in stress, um, you're actually more prone to physical illness, which is really funny because I know there's those that are in here that probably don't believe the word of God. But um, when this was written so long ago, before modern medicine is caught up, um, a cheerful heart is good medicine. And some of these translations actually speak to the fact that, that walking in joy, it impacts your physical health. But, but as Christians, we know not only does it impact our physical health, it impacts our spiritual health. That when we align ourselves with God's word and his promises, that, that it builds us up, it strengthens us. The message says... A cheerful disposition is good for your health. Gloom and doom leave you bone tired. 
bone tired. And man, I know that there's times where we, we fall victim to depression and, and we allow ourselves to get in these funks. But, but when we stay there, when we walk in it day in and day out, there's something that it does to us. There's something that it does to us. Now, I'm not saying that it's a sin to be sad. I'm not saying that if you have a bad day that, <laughs> that you're not a faithful follower or any of these things because the truth of the matter is that the sadness is something that God's given us, that, that God's heart grieves, that, that he's made us in his image and, and there's things that we experience that we can be sad. But again, sadness is an emotion. When we talk about joy, it's something inside of us. It's something inside of us that helps us to combat and to regulate those things on the outside, those outward expressions of our emotions. And so the Apostle Paul, he gives us a picture of how we can walk in joy, of how we can remain in it, how we can pursue it, even in the middle of all of our storms. And I love this. He says it in Romans 15, 13. He says, I pray that God, the source of hope, say hope, will fill you completely with joy. Say joy. joy. And peace. Say peace. peace. Because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so the thing that I love about this is that, that our hope, that our joy, that our peace, that those things that we encounter and experience, none of the things that Paul says here are tied to my finances, to my relationships, to any of the things that are going on in this world. It, it's a matter of when, when we pursue God. Paul says, I pray that the God of hope will fill you with joy, that, that our source of joy doesn't come from the things out here, that it comes from him up there. That, and that's where we begin to, to misplace things. That's where we begin to get off track is when we pursue joy from things out here. When we think that the new house, the new car, the new truck, um, <laughs> that, that those things, the people in our lives, um, the casino, whatever it is, that we get off track when we think that those things will fill us with joy, that those things will be our source, our hope, that those things will bring us peace. But again, Paul says, I pray that the God, that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Because you trust in him. Again, because you trust in him. And so oftentimes, we put so much stock and so much faith and so much trust and the things out here, and then we find ourselves empty and broken and lacking and off track in every area of our lives. And so when we build our life on Jesus, when our foundation, when our center is in him, it's, in, it's a foundation that brings us joy. And that foundation can withstand the storms. That's a foundation that when we're centered on him, when we're centered on what he has for us, that, that if you find your family dealing with sickness, that you can be down about that, but you're filled with hope and joy because he's your source. That, that if finances aren't what they need to be, and, and you're looking at your account and you're wondering how you're going to make it through next week, that when you, when, you face your, when you look at yourself as a source, you come up lacking and you lack joy, but, but when God is your source in those moments, you never come up short. And you can have joy even in those moments, even in those trials. And so when we allow our joy to be stolen from us, this is important right here. 
When we allow our joy to be stolen from us, what we do is we begin to fall back into old habits. We, we begin to fall back into old lifestyles. We begin to fall back into these things that we've walked away from. Um, for me, for instance, when I allow myself to, to have my joy stolen, um, the very first thing that I do is mistreat everyone around me. That if, if I'm lacking in that area, if I've put my faith and my trust in the wrong thing, and I've taken my eyes off the source, when, when our account's shorter than it should be, or when my relationship is, is more strained than it should be, the very first thing I do is begin to lash out on people because that, that's something from my old life. That's something that, that I've laid down and I've walked away from, but it's the very first thing I pick back up. It's the very first thing I do. I begin to lash out and lash out. Now, some of you, your story may be different. As you, maybe you've been on the road to recovery and you found yourself, man, years in and everything's great and God's been so good to you. And maybe you were under the guise that life was just gonna be perfect when you gave it all to Jesus. And then, man, that car got repossessed. Relationship fell apart or any of those things. And again, you find yourself lacking. And so in those moments when you've allowed the world to steal your joy, you go back to the things that you think will bring you happiness. And every time you come up lacking, every time you come up short, because those things were never a source of anything good. Again, Paul tells us that he prays that the source of hope will fill us with joy, and that's God. And so when we allow our joy to be stolen from us, we fall back into old habits because we've convinced ourselves that something is there that really isn't. We've convinced ourselves that those old habits, those old lifestyles, those old relationships were a source, and we begin to make them our God. We begin to make them our provider, and we begin to find ourselves in the same positions over and over and over again, and we've got to learn to walk in the joy that God has for us. And so we live in the world, but we shouldn't live as the world does. That, and I get there's some of you in here, you may not have bought in, you may not be Christians, and maybe you're on the fence a little bit about it, but... but those of us that have made that decision, again, we live in the world, but we shouldn't be of the world. We shouldn't pursue those things, that, that our source is different. Jesus says this in John, John 10, 10. Some of you may be familiar with this. It says, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. That, that, that Jesus came so that we could live different. Jesus came so that we could experience a different life. Jesus came so that we could have a rich and satisfying life. Now, I'm not talking about making it rain financially. I'm talking about God's given us the gift of his Holy Spirit. And when you look at the fruit of the Spirit, that that's that rich and satisfying life of, of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, that those things can be abundant in our life when we've made him the sinner. The King James says, I've come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Say abundantly. That those things that God can give us, that joy, that peace, that patience, that those things can be more abundant in our life when we remain focused on the proper source. But when you deviate, when you deviate and you look to something else to fill you abundantly in your life, again, it leaves you lacking, it leaves you off course, it leaves you falling back into old lifestyles and old habits. And so how do we keep ourselves in the presence of God's hope? and continually filled with his joy. How do we do that? I mean, it doesn't sound very easy, does it? I mean, it's hard because every single one of us are gonna, we're gonna step out of here tonight. We're gonna step back into the real world. Somebody's gonna cut you off in traffic up here. Good chance it might be me. Um, 
Oh, there's some of you in the room that's been cut off by me, and you know how true that statement is. Um, just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean I'm a good driver. But, <laughs> but the real world awaits you. Some of you are dealing with sickness. That sickness is going to be there when you walk out of here tonight. You're, you're going to be dealing with things. That, that you're going to go back to work, and the coworker you don't like is going to be there. Some of you, your relationship isn't great, and you know... As soon as you leave this room, it's just going to be the two of you. And how do you walk in God's joy and God's peace and God's presence in those moments? And I get it. Again, I'm not exempt to that. There's been more times than I'm sure Janelle would like to admit that, that we've walked out of here, walked in here, you know, hey, love you guys, and walked back out right into our stuff. But we've got to learn to stay in God's joy and his presence. Um, and so how do we experience the rich and satisfying life that Jesus told, about, told us about? Um, and so as we convince ourselves that true joy is found in the fleeting pleasures of life, Jesus makes it clear that joy is found in him. And so we have to realize that joy begins where our will ends. Again, joy begins where our will ends. So oftentimes what we do is we pursue the desires of our heart. That's where we get off track. That, that we pursue the things that, that we want, and that's where we get off track. But, but joy really begins where our will ends, our desires end, that when we begin to lay things down in our lives and, and submit them to, to God in every area, we can begin to pursue true joy, not happiness. Amazon makes me happy. I'm not going to lie. What it does to my bank account doesn't make me happy. But, but we've got to learn to pursue not happiness, I can't spend $100 a week. I can't, as much as I want, I found a Mandalorian helmet that's all steel, that's super sweet, that, that's less than $100, and I can't buy that. I can't buy that because my wife said no, but I can still, I can still have joy. I can still have joy. I can still have joy. And that was a real conversation we had yesterday. But John, John 15, 9 through 11 says this. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. Say, remain in my love. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Say, my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. And so again, here in John, I mean, this is Jesus laying it out that, that if you've ever questioned, if you've ever wondered, how do I pursue a life that's full of joy when everything around me seems like it's falling apart? That how can I have joy when my health isn't the way it should be? How can I have joy when my bank account isn't where it should be? How can I have that joy? And Jesus lays it out. He lays it out for us. We remain in his love by following his commandments. And then he goes further. I've told you these things, so you'll be filled with my joy. And so when we look at Jesus, this is Jesus, God in a body, the, the author and finisher of our faith, the, the one that's the source of joy, says, I will fill you with my joy. And my joy comes when you lay down the desires of your heart and you follow and pursue the desires of mine. That, that true joy, true happiness comes when, when you stop trying to fill your tank with the things of this world 
and you fill your tank with the things that I've given you, that I've laid out. Again, joy begins, true joy begins where our will ends, when we begin to lay that down. There was a season in my life where I pursued finances with everything. I neglected my family, I neglected my kids, I neglected my health, I neglected everything, and there was not a day in my life where that brought me joy. It might have made me happy, but you know the thing about happiness? It never lasts. It never lasts. I wake up the next day when I've made myself happy, and I need something else to make me happy again. And I wake up the next day, and I need something else to make me happy again. And no matter how much I go back to things, no matter how much I pursue stuff, it'll never fill me. It's never adequate. It's never enough. And that's what happiness is. It's fleeting. It's a pleasure. And it's a constant pursuit. But, but Jesus came again that we could live life more abundantly. He says that I mean, he's, he's, he's life. He's living water. That when we drink from him, we'll never thirst again. And when we're filled with his joy, we can remain in it in the middle of of our storms, in the middle of everything we're going through, that when we've pursued him, when we've filled our cup with what he's offering, we can remain in that joy, even when everything is falling apart around us, even when everything is falling apart around us. He says, yes, your joy will overflow, overflow. You can be one of those really obnoxious Christians that you probably hate right now. You guys have always seen them. They're always super happy. You guys ever seen those? Um, <laughs> Every single one of us in here have the ability to walk in that kind of joy. Rather than staring them down like, what the heck is wrong with them? Like, we can walk that out too. That, that we don't, that's not unattainable. That's not just for somebody else. That's for each and every one of us that want to pick it up, that want to pursue it, that want to allow God to be our source, that, that want to lay down our will, pursue his will so that he'll fill us with his joy until it overflows. And I love that last part because, again, he just said earlier in John 10, 10, so that you may have life more abundantly. He doesn't want to give you just enough joy. He wants it overflowing, bubbling, <laughs> spilling out everywhere, spilling out everywhere because he is just a God of abundance. And so, again, how do we keep ourselves in the presence of God's hope and continually filled with his joy? It's when we realize that joy begins where our will ends. And so by understanding by understanding this, that we should never be our own gods. I make a lousy God. I mean, at times I make a lousy husband. But so often I try to be the source of everything I need. And we just have to learn to, to lay down our will and to pursue his in every area. And so um, God's will isn't just that, um, just about what we can't do, though. God's will isn't just about what we can't do. And so I know oftentimes we hear that. Um, great, you know, the pastor, the preacher's up there and he's talking about how I need to, I just need to do what God tells me. I need to, I can't live for myself. And, and I get that struggle. I, I experienced that for a time being. I thought that I was gonna miss out on so much. Um, it actually made me scared to really be devoted to God in any way. Because um, I thought, man, I just miss out on life, you know. I'm gonna miss out on all the Mandalorian helmets and I'm never gonna be happy again. Um, <laughs> It was a super sweet helmet. So, um, and so sometimes we, we think that. Sometimes we feel that. And, and, but God's not just about what we can't do. That, that he's got something greater. That when we lay down our will to pursue him, it's not that we get this long list of rules and regulations. You can't do that. You can't do that. You can't do that. You know what it's more? 
It, it just, you can do now. Like, I've got something greater for you, that, that you get to live better, that, that your cup's going to overflow. Again, this is the God of abundance, that he came that we may have life and life abundantly. So it's not just rules. It's not just regulations. It's about living life to the fullest, that, that when we're out there and we're filling ourselves with the world, that's when we're missing out. That's when we've limited ourselves. That, that's why we can't walk around happy and full of joys because we've robbed ourselves of what God has for us because we think that we're going to miss out if we pursue him and it couldn't be farther from the truth but again joy starts when we lay down our will and point number two is this joy comes from fulfilling our purpose it comes from fulfilling our purpose that we can never fulfill it until we lay down our desires and pursue his if i lived my life for me i wouldn't be here today i wouldn't be in this room and i wouldn't be on this platform and it's not necessarily because I would be dead. I would just be doing something different. I never had a desire to speak. I never had a desire to preach. I wanted to make money. That's what I wanted to do. And it ain't found up here. But, but I have more joy in my heart today where, where I get to come every Monday night and hang out with you guys, where I get to fellowship with you, where we get to pursue the Lord in new and exciting ways, where we get to grow together so we can go far together. That brings me much more joy than anything in my life did before. And so it's because in this season, I've laid down my will, I've pursued his, and I get to experience God's call on my life, God's purpose for me. And that's not something unique to me. That's something that we all get to experience when we begin to lay down the desires of our heart and pursue him. And again, it's a God of abundance. Jesus came so we can have life abundantly, that there's something greater when we begin to do that, when we begin to seek him. Tonight, I want to share a parable with you guys. Um, parable, it's a funny word. Um, it's, a, it's a story. Jesus taught in parables, actually, often. So if you guys have begun reading your uh, New Testament, the Gospels, that's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, you come across some parables in there. And what they are, um, best way to put it is they're, they're earthly stories, so they relate to things of their time, um, which was 2,000 years ago, so they're getting really weird for us today. But they relate to things of, of their time, but they had a heavenly meeting. And Jesus used them to teach kind of hidden things, to, to really begin to um, expose the kingdom to God, of God to people um, of their time, to make them understand. He used them to teach uneducated people, which is probably why I like parables so much, because I'm pretty uneducated, and I, I like a good story. Um, and so he used those. One of my favorite, though, we find it in Matthew, Matthew 25. Um, and it's the parable, um, parable of the three talents. Sometimes it's called that. Um, but essentially what it was is it was a story. And, and Jesus starts it off, the kingdom of God looks like. And so we know that at the beginning of the parable, what Jesus is doing is he's giving us a picture of, of the kingdom of God. And, and in the parable, again, it's an earthly story, but there's heavenly meanings. And so there's people in the story that, that relate to, to God, that's one of them. And then, and then there's people in the story that relate to us. And so in the story, there's, there's a king, there's a man, and he has three servants. And so he's getting ready to go up, off on a long trip. And before he goes, um, he divides up some wealth among the three of them. And so in this parable, in the story, he, give, he gives five bags of silver to one, one guy. He gives three bags to another guy, and he gives two bags to the last guy. 
Um, and so he's going away, and, and so he entrusts them with us. And so in this parable, what it is, it's, it's, it's a picture of what God's given us, that, that he's given us all something unique. He's given us a purpose. He's given us giftings. He's given us callings. And then he's went away figuratively and said, go out and, and serve me with it. Go out and do something with it. We've been given something. And so this, this king, this master, he does that. And then he returns. He comes back. Um, and that's kind of just a picture of, of a judgment of sorts. And, and he looks at each of them, and he wants to know what they've done with his money. What have, they, what have they done with what he's entrusted them with? And so he comes to the first one in verses 16 and 17, um, and he asks the servant, um, it says, The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money, and he earned five more. So he used what God had given him, and he earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver went and worked and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. So then the servant returns. In verse 21, it says, The master was full of praise for, for the one servant. He comes to the one that had five bags of silver, and that one had, had earned five more. He, he had found his purpose. He had found his calling, and he'd, he'd done something great with it. And so this is what the master said. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate. Say celebrate. celebrate. Let's celebrate together. And so this master recognizes that he did something with what he was given. And so this master, they celebrate together. So then he goes to the one that he'd given the two backs to, um, and they have a similar conversation. Um, and that servant's like, you gave me the two. I, I produced two more with it. And in verses uh, 23, it says this, the master said, well done. Say well done. well done. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount. So now... I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Some translations say this, enter into the joy of your Lord. That again, when we find our purpose, when we begin to walk out the call of God on our lives, that he's a God of abundance. He gives us things to use, to utilize, to glorify him, to go out into the world and make a difference, not to dig a hole and to hide it. And when we begin to fulfill that, when we begin to walk that out, God takes an account of that, and he looks at us, and he says, well done. Well done, my good and faithful servant. And, and I love that. Let's celebrate together. And again, some translations say, enter into the joy of your Lord. That again, if Jesus is that source, we learn that in John, that, that he'll fill us with his joy, that when we've fulfilled our purpose, when we found our purpose, when we begin to walk it out, when we stop sitting at home and watching church on TV and we go and we get involved day in and day out and we serve the people in our community, when we stop just doing Bible studies alone and you get involved with other people and say, let's go together, let's travel together. When you begin to give the things that God's given you, when you begin to walk out God's plan, God's purpose, God's call in your life, God recognizes that and says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Let's celebrate together. That as we've come together, We've impacted together. Let's enter into the joy of the Lord. And when we do that and when we experience that, you can have that joy abundantly in your life. You'll find something beyond happiness. My job made me happy. I didn't leave my job because I was unhappy. I left my job because I wanted to enter into the joy of the Lord. I wanted him to celebrate with me. I wanted to experience life abundantly. And I didn't leave it because I was unhappy. I left it because I wasn't filled with joy day in and day out. And that's only found by walking out God's plan and God's purpose for your life. 
that, that there's something out there that he's destined you for, that he's created you for. And there's a work out there that's only for him. And when you begin to pursue it, when you begin to walk in it, when you begin to do the things he created you to do, again, he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. And we get to enter into God. We get to celebrate with the Lord on this side that, that he recognizes that. And we can enter into his joy today when we begin to live for him. And again, point number two was this. Joy comes from fulfilling our purpose. Joy comes from fulfilling our purpose. And so even as we pursue God's will, even as we pursue God's will, again, I want to recognize the elephant in the room. Stuff still happens. That, that you, can, you can lay down your will and you can pursue God's. You can give up everything that God tells you to give up and pursue whatever it is he has for you. And there's still going to be days that are hard. There's still going to be relationships that are strained, that are struggling. There's still going to be times where, where you feel like you've been duped, that, that we walk in that. And I get that. And I don't want to paint a picture up here that says, hey, when you walk this out, when you do this, you'll never struggle again. That I don't want to paint a picture that says life will never be difficult again if you do this. But again, again, point number three is this. We have to face trials optimistically. That, that when we're going, we're going to walk in the joy of the Lord. We have to face trials optimistically. And I want to say this. Don't take life personally. Don't take life personally. I don't know if you've ever encountered people. They went around with this attitude. This is just my lot in life. This is, you guys ever heard that? This is just my lot in life. Um, I don't know about you. I've, I've kind of said that before. And, and what that is, that's people taking life personally. They, they take every trial in their life as a personal affront from God himself punishing them for something. Now, I got news for you. We're all in the same boat. We all deserve the same punishment. We all deserve the same, which is not good. But God in his abundant grace has lifted us up and given us a different life. And so don't take life personally. Don't take every setback personally. God is not out to get you. And we got to begin to change our mindset and realize that we can walk in something different. So we have to face trials optimistically. Um, one of my favorite sayings, and I kind of struggled with whether or not this fit, but I like it. I'm going to say it anyways. I have the microphone. I can do that. Um, <laughs> don't take life too seriously. You'll never get out alive. Um, and so we take these things that happen in our life as a personal affront. And here's the thing. We, we do deserve the same things. That there's nothing that I deserve more than you guys or that you deserve more than me. We're, we're all coming from the same place. We've all equally blown it. We've equally screwed up. And, and we've all been offered the same, the same salvation, the same opportunity with Jesus. We've all been offered the same abundant life where we can have joy overflowing. We've all been offered that, and we all have the chance to experience it. And so we all have the opportunity to face our trials optimistically. And I get it. Life is, life is serious business. It really is because we have been called to something greater. Um, but we put more time and more emphasis on keeping up with the Joneses, keeping up with the people around us um, financially or with our family, keeping up with Instagram, keeping up with Facebook. And we put all of our stock in this. 
We put all of our stock in this. And so when things go bad, when you don't get the perfect family picture, when, when maybe your son or daughter did something that's incredibly embarrassing and makes you look bad at the PTO, or maybe you get a speeding ticket or any of those things, we put so much stock in those things that we've made that the seriousness of our life, that we've lost sight of the things over here and it knocks us off course and it robs us of our joy. It takes us away from what God has for us. It takes us away from what God has for us. And so because of the things, because we put stock in so many of these things, um, the things we face crush us. That again, if my source was outside of God, then every time I'm faced with a trial, I have no choice but to allow it to crush me. That I, I can't be optimistic when things in this world are falling apart if I put all of my faith and hope in things of this world, that, that if I put my, my trust in my future in a political party and they don't get voted in, then of course it's going to crush me. Of course it's going to knock me off course. Of course I can't have joy in those moments. So again, when we put all of our faith and hope in the things of this world, when things of this world go awry, how could we possibly face those optimistically? But when we know that we have a greater source, when we know that God has something greater for us, when we know that we're not citizens of this world, that we're citizens of heaven, when we begin to realize that, then we can face those things optimistically. Instead of allowing those setbacks to knock us back into old lifestyles, we can keep moving forward and saying, you know, God had me then, God has me now, and God's gonna have me tomorrow. That we can keep pushing forward, we can keep pushing forward, and we can do it with a smile on our face. And, and you might be sad about it, you may be upset, you might get a little angry, but it doesn't have to rob you of the joy that God has given you, that God's filled you with. And we can face those things optimistically. James 1, 2 through 4 says this, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Say great joy. This is not the mindset that I, I like to have. And I'll be honest, when I read this, sometimes it kind of ticks me off a little bit because I'm like, James, you don't know anything. You don't know anything. Um, but dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. That, that when we face these things, and again, when our eyes aren't on the world, but, but we realize that we were made for a greater purpose, that, that we're not seeking our will, but we're seeking his, and we begin to align um, our, our mind and our heart with, with the spirit that God's given us. When we get those things aligned, then we can face trials with optimism. And they don't knock us off course because we know that this will grow us. This will prepare us. This will help us in what's to come. It says, for you know, that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. That we can face these things optimistically because we know that if we stay faithful and continue to pursue God, rather than allowing it to be a setback, it can be the thing that develops us into who God's created us to be. Um, Paul says it a little differently in Romans um, chapter five, verses three through five. And it says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. Again, what the heck does Paul know? Um, for we know that they help us develop endurance and endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment for we know how dearly God loves us 
because he's given us his Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. That, that when we change our perspectives, that when we lay down our will and pursue his will, when we begin to walk out our purpose, we can face trials optimistically because, again, we've, we've stopped putting stock in this world and we know that everything we face, it's not a punishment from God, but it's an opportunity to grow for him. That, that God didn't send a plague because he hates you, but those things are opportunities. When we remain faithful, God will use it to grow you and to help you to walk into what he has for you next. First Thessalonians, as we close, 5, 17 through 18, it says this, never stop praying. Say, never stop praying. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. Say, all circumstances. all circumstances. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. That you don't have to be happy about everything. You don't have to be happy about everything. That, that it's, it's okay to be sad. It's okay to experience emotions. But in all circumstances, be happy. Pursue God and walk in the joy that he has for you. To recap, point number one was this. Joy begins where our will ends. That when we begin to lay down our heart's desires and pursue his, we can begin to walk out joy. Number two, joy comes from fulfilling our purpose. Or, uh, fulfilling, ah, I messed up there. Yeah, joy comes from fulfilling um, our purpose. Well, God's purpose is for. And then number three, we have to face trials optimistically. Don't take life personally. The things that, that go on out there, the things that you face in your life, they're not personal assaults from God. In fact, Jesus came so that you could live life more abundantly, so that you can be filled with his joy until you're overflowing. Not so you can go around like an Eeyore miserable all day. God has something different for you. And so tonight, when we talk about this, um, being filled with God's joy, it begins with a relationship with Jesus. And so as we close out tonight, I always want to give you guys the opportunity just to, to pursue something different. And so if you're in here tonight and, and you've never made that decision, I mean, it's the greatest decision you could ever make, but if you've never decided to make Jesus your personal Lord and Savior, then, then you're missing out on this joy. And, and you're probably up here like, what... How could I ever have this? It starts with that. By, by realizing that you need him, by realizing that, that you can't do it alone, that you can't save yourself, that you've made mistakes by asking for forgiveness, by believing in Jesus, believing that he was the son of God, believing that he died for you, that he was risen from the dead so you could live life more abundantly. And then lastly, by, by making him Lord of your life. And so if you're in here tonight and you've never done any of that, if you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, as we end service, we're gonna have our chip prayers and huggers up front. And we would love to pray with you and for you so that you can make the greatest choice, the greatest decision of your life and make him Lord of all. And two, if you've gotten off track, maybe you've done that before and you've blown it, I get it. I've done the same. It's never too late to come back. And so if that's you tonight and you want to rededicate your life, then I want to encourage you to come from up front. We would love to pray with you and for you so you can make that decision. And then... If there's something in your life, something that's been robbing you of the joy that God has for you, something that you've allowed to be a stronghold or a roadblock and something that you realize that you need to set down tonight, I want to encourage you to come get one of our white chips. And, and what this is, it symbolizes that you've laid that at the foot of the cross, that you've given it up, that, that you realize that God's overcome that. It's blank. You can write today's date on it. You can write down what it is. It just signifies to you that, that you've handed that over. And then lastly tonight, if you just need prayer, 
One of the ways we want to journey with you is through prayer, and, and we love to pray. In fact, we're a house of prayer here. And so if there's something that's going on in your life and you want to pray about it, if there's something you want to celebrate and you want to thank God for it, we would love for you to come up front and just allow us to do that. And if you guys could right now, if you could stand to your feet as we close in worship.